Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast, whether you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, whether you're subscribing, following, liking the show, please leave five-star ratings and reviews. It really helps the podcast. Thank you to everybody that has taken the time to check out the show and a lot to unpack. Apologies for not getting in an episode last week was pretty chaotic with the three-game schedule. Knoxville having to be on the road on Sunday, then play Monday. There was the possibility the team was going to get stuck in Birmingham because of the weather, then ends up driving back through the night, gets home Tuesday morning, and then has to turn around and leave Thursday morning. And with the inclement weather in Knoxville, I actually wasn't able to get to the studio to record an episode. So happy to be back on after a week off and happy to come back from Moline, Illinois with a win to talk about. Obviously, there's a lot more than that to discuss. The big trade news that broke Wednesday morning. So try to get to all of it in a short amount of time. So what we're seeing from Knoxville on Saturday's win over Quad City. The Ice Bears bounce back from a 5-3 to three loss. They win 4-1 to one on Saturday. Overall, thought it was a pretty complete game from Knoxville. I thought they took away the slot, didn't let Quad City get a ton of grade-A chances, the ones that they did. A couple of backdoor opportunities missed by Quad City. Uh, Cole Golka set up Michael Moran in the slot pretty well. I thought there was good defense on the pass, but I, I do think Moran had a chance to get that puck on net, just missed it wide of the, uh, to the left side post. And then Golka was sitting on the back doorstep, had a really hard pass come in. Would have been a tough angle, but definitely thought he had a chance to make the play on it and was unable to put that one on net. Riley Morris played a really solid game. His first start as an ice bear denied a really good one-timer from the right slot by Alex Palmerville uh, snagged a, one-timer from the left circle on a power play attempt early. So I, I thought that he did a good job at controlling rebounds and not giving up a whole lot of second chances. I thought Knoxville did a better job at shortening possessions in the offensive zone for Quad City, which is not easy to do when you consider the physicality, the size, and the skill that they have up front with getting Matt Ustaski, John Schiavo, and Leif Matson all back. And then... On Saturday, they got back Logan Nelson, so Quad City really reloading at a good time. Just didn't result in a win on Saturday for the Storm. Got the win on Friday night, though, and obviously a very skilled team. And Knoxville, I thought, did a better job at hanging in with Quad City for more of that game. In Friday's game, I thought Knoxville was outplayed in the first and third periods. Thought they played a much better second. Didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities they had on the odd man rushes. On Saturday, I thought Knoxville played a more even first and third period. Got outplayed for longer stretches of the second, but got a couple of good looks that they were able to take advantage of when those opportunities came. So 50 seconds into the second period, 
Matthew Ballard hits a shot from the left circle, hits the post, comes right back to Derek Dubé Plouffe, and he puts it back on net as Bailey Birkin had uh, been bumped into by Sam Dabrowski. Initially, the goal was waved off by William Jacques because he had ruled that it was goaltender interference. Birkin had come out of his crease before contact was made, and that's why it appeared that the call was overruled and that the goal stood um, because Dabrowski has a right to try to go crash the net there. Dabrowski does not go into the crease, and so kind of difficult to blame a player for initiating contact with a goalie when Dabrowski does his part to stay away from the blue ice. So Dubé Plouffe gets his first as an ice bear. He's got three points in three games. And then later on in the period, Davis Kirkendall does a pretty good job on the forecheck. He tries to make that centering pass from a tough angle out in front. It gets blocked back to him by Birkin. He carries the puck, makes a man miss, gets to the top of the right circle, shoots, shot goes wide, but he sees the play developing as Kirill Nishnikov is able to collect it on the right side of the crease. Nishnikov makes the centering pass. Birkin probably helped Knoxville out by being a little bit out of position, but Kirkendall did a really good job at following up the play, had an entire net to work with when the puck got over there, so he scored his first of two goals on that play and ultimately gave Knoxville a 2-0 lead. Quad got one back. Knoxville got two more in the third, and you come away with a 4-1 to win. So I, I think you have to be... Yeah, had to be pretty pleased with how Knoxville played again. It's always tough when you look at the results and you see 13 losses in a row. At any level, that's really, really tough to look at and accept. But Knoxville competed in a lot of these games. And you look at the other strengths that are of this length. And so obviously I'm sure that the conversation has come up or the thought has crossed your mind when you, if you're an Ice Bears fan seeing the streak, what's the longest streak in league history? Louisiana Ice Skaters had one over a decade ago that was 20 games long. Vermilion County, I believe it was their first season. They had a 19-game losing streak. And then Evansville, Fayetteville, and Knoxville have now all had a 13-game skid. The thing is, is that Knoxville had four losses in overtime out of those 13 games. Fayetteville and Evansville, ironically enough, their two 13-game losing streaks came in the same season. And I think there was a little bit of overlap between them too. But their two losing streaks combined in those 26 losses between the two teams only had three total overtime games. So you've seen Knoxville be competitive and go out and fight 11 of those 13 losses were by two goals or less. And in 10 of them, Knoxville was either tied leading or only trailing by one in the third period. So all of these close games that you could say, Oh yeah, had a 50, 50, 60, 40, 40, 60 chance to win. And you can't get, just that one bounce to go your way. And granted, a couple of those games really got out of hand. You know, the one in uh, the one game against Roanoke where the you know rail yard dogs got three power play goals in the third period, ended up pulling away in that game. And then obviously what happened on January 7th with things kind of getting out of hand there. But those were games that were, you know, two to one or tied at one going, you know, I think the game on January 6th, Knoxville was leading going into the third period. So there have been games where Knoxville has been put in a position to win after 40 minutes or at least a position to get to overtime and just hasn't been able to consistently do that. And so hopefully getting a win gets a team's confidence back and gets a team off the snide. And hopefully the wins just start to come easier. And sometimes you see that when you're dealing with a streak like this and you finally manage to break it, sometimes getting that first win back after a losing streak is harder than the rest. Now, granted, Knoxville still has to go out and put the work in and 
go out and compete. The schedule doesn't get any easier. You've got a tough weekend against Peoria coming up. Then you have to go to Evansville, who just swept Knoxville not too long ago. You've got games upcoming against Fayetteville and more games against Roanoke. Uh, you've got two ga- two more games on the schedule against Macon. You still have most of your matchups against Huntsville remaining, too. So the, the schedule's not going to get any lighter for Knoxville, and it, it rarely is light when it comes to this league, uh, but especially for Knoxville, since they normally have a, a centralized schedule where they kind of meet everybody a, a decent amount of times. You still have two more games against Pensacola. So for Knoxville, obviously good to get the win, but now really needs to start trending in the opposite direction of where they've been for the last several weeks. And what can potentially help with that is more goal support. And what can do that is more depth up front. So Knoxville made a trade that was announced Wednesday morning. It's something that had been in the works for a little while, a while and the, the two parties kind of going back and forth a little bit. But Knoxville has traded the rights to forward Jordy Stallard and goaltender Marco Costantini for forward Brett McCrones from Pensacola. And in addition, Knoxville then signed forward Derek McCrones, who is a free agent, and also signed defenseman Gary Lindbergh earlier in the week and waived forward Nick Gullo, who was signed on Saturday for the second game of the weekend after he had been cut by Quad City, so he was still in the area. Um, did not make the trip back from Moline with the team, um, and it appeared that it was going to be a contingency plan where Maybe he makes the trip down depending on the roster moves that Knoxville made. Maybe he doesn't. And so with the three acquisitions that Knoxville got through the trade and signings, the active roster is now officially full. Justin Levesque and Troy Murray have been placed on the 14-day IR. Cole McKechnie is still suspended for two more games, so his suspension is completed after this weekend. Uh, But being on a league suspension, he still takes up an active roster spot. So Knoxville has 19 players on the active roster, 18 that are able to play. So this Friday and Saturday, Knoxville has 18 players to field a full lineup, which has not been the norm over the last several weekends. And in addition to that, Knoxville has two players on the IR and three players that are called up to the ECHL after Joshua Carlson was called up earlier in the week. Obviously, Brady Flurn is up in Norfolk, and so is Christian Stead. So, obviously, a move that Knoxville had to make, it couldn't afford to wait for Jordy Stollard to possibly come back, possibly not come back. He was finally released by Kansas City over the weekend, but was then picked up off of waivers by Utah. So, Stollard has been gone. He has not played a game in the SPHL since December 9th, and... That before Saturday, Stollard's last game for Knoxville was Knoxville's last win. And so Stollard was a part of the eight wins that Knoxville had before he left. He had the, you know, he's a part of the run of winning seven of eight, the five game win streak, the come from behind wins over Peoria and Macon and leaves. And then Knoxville loses its first 13 games it plays without him. And so and granted, there's other pieces missing as well. Cam Huff, Brady Florent, but Stollard had been the consistent piece through that run since Florent wasn't available when that run started. Cam Huff was on IR for a portion of that five-game win streak. You know, Christian Stead was not always there. So Stollard is was kind of the one common denominator between that whole portion of the season. And so obviously Knoxville wanted to 
try to get a little bit more depth up the middle. It does that by having Brett McCrones had 16 goals and 10 assists, so 26 points in 27 games for Pensacola. Uh, earlier, a, a few weeks ago, Brett's twin brother, Derek, was cut by Pensacola. Brett was then placed on team suspension, so they maintained his rights. Um, and Knoxville essentially gets a package deal with the two twin brothers coming to Knoxville who arrived at the Civic Coliseum Wednesday morning. And then, in addition, Knoxville claims Garrick Lindbergh off waivers after Quad City waived him earlier in January. So it, it gives Knoxville some bodies. You have a defenseman to replace the void left by Troy Murray going on the IR and Joshua Carlson going on the uh, going on loan to the ECHL up to Kansas City. And then you get two forwards, you get another center, which allows you to work with Tyler Rolo and Derek Osick, who you've kind of had been playing in those positions uh, over the last couple of weeks. You've had a little bit of a, a rotating cast there. You've seen Kirkendall at center. You've seen uh, Derek Dubé-Plouffe at center at times, That mainly that game against Birmingham when he first played there in Knoxville only had eight forwards. You've seen Justin Levesque, but Levesque's on the IR. Cole McKechnie, obviously a center, but unavailable for this weekend. So Knoxville finally creating a little bit more depth up front and very curious to see how this helps Knoxville offensively. Obviously McCrones is uh, uh Brett McCrones is a solid goal scorer and Derek, while you know, his numbers don't compare to Brett's so far this season, he has one goal and four assists in 17 games, spent some time on the IR. So when Knoxville went to Pensacola in November, Derek was not, on the active roster and did not play against Knoxville. So the Ice Bears really didn't get a chance to see him in person. But when you look at what those two players did in Germany the last couple of years, both of them produced. Uh, so both put up some pretty solid numbers over in Germany over the last two years, both playing on the same team. They both went to the University of New England and played college hockey together. So now the two brothers here in Knoxville. So let's see what the situation is and how both guys are able to contribute. Obviously, it's not going to fix everything overnight, but hopefully there is that offensive boost that Andrew Harrison has been looking for. And so it's easy to look at it and say, well, why, why trade Jordan Stollard? Well, because you can't afford to wait for him any longer. Knoxville's not in a position where it can wait. Pensacola, however, is in a position where it can take the chance on having a guy like Stollard because of the depth that they have up front. They've gotten some good production out of Mitch Atkins. Obviously, they already traded for Joseph Widmar. Garrett Milan was the runner-up for the MVP last year. Yvonne Bondarenko, one of the best setup wings in the league. They've got good skill out of Lucas Herman. And then Malik Johnson is a good physical forward. And and not to mention, but you know, Dallas Como is still on call-up. So they, they've got good depth up front, Pensacola does. And so you look at players that can potentially take you to another level. And so Pensacola is kind of in a situation where it feels like it can take the chance on trading for Stollard's rights. And if Utah releases him, then you've got a really solid playmaking center who can also go and score for you down the stretch, potentially towards the playoffs. And so that could be a big move for Pensacola. And then with Marco Costantini, obviously the ice flyers have Steven Mundinger and Caden Fulcher. Fulcher's already had a call up. He's played in the NHL. So there's that opportunity where could he get called up again? That's something you kind of have to be mindful of. And so it it helps because maybe if Costantini comes back, then you know for Pensacola, it might benefit them as well. But if you're Knoxville, goaltending really hasn't been your biggest issue. Obviously, Costantini has shown that he is a really special talent, but Knoxville's gotten 
winning performances from Christian Stead, from Zane Steves, from Troy Coburn, from Cody Karpinski, from Riley Morris on Saturday. And so for Knoxville, it's not so much about being unable to find good goaltending, but Costantini, for example, four of his five appearances in a Knoxville uniform, he gave up one goal or less. Well, Knoxville only got two wins in those four games. He gave up one goal in 65 minutes. Knoxville still lost the game in a shootout to Evansville a couple weeks ago. So goaltending hasn't been the biggest issue. Obviously, you need to still maintain that position going down the stretch. You don't want to start losing games where if you get the goal support, you're having to sacrifice it. But I, And I think part of it is also the belief that Marco, he's already been called up twice in a very short amount of time. And even though he hasn't had his first ECHL start yet, didn't get a chance to actually start a game when he was in Idaho for a couple weeks and then goes to Allen and is still waiting for his first opportunity to see some game action since going to Texas. But I I think the thought process is Knoxville needs goal scoring right now more than it needs goaltending. And and obviously both things are very important, but I think that's the trade-off that Andrew Harrison was willing to make. And so you get a couple of forwards and a defenseman uh, in, in making the roster moves and trying to bolster everything on the back end as well. And, you know, Garrig Lindbergh has only played in three games so far in the SPHL this season. So not a whole lot of a, a long resume to see, but, you know, a younger defenseman who can maybe come in and, and stabilize everything on the back end. You still have some consistency with Brendan Daller, Jason Price, Seth Enzer, Matthew Ballard has been contributing a little bit offensively. And then, of course, you've had Riley Roberts in the entire season. So you, you have some familiarity on your back end right now, and then it's just a matter of having it all come together. You know, you're seeing Jason Price contribute a little bit more offensively over his last few games. Rex Moe, really, during the entire course of the losing streak, was probably Knoxville's best, best player on offense, um, having, I think it was eight points in ten games during that stretch. You know, Dawson McKinney, I think, has shown that he's a really capable rookie. Tyler Rolo's been a really solid two-way forward. Derek Osick is starting to find his groove a little bit more. I thought Sam Dabrowski played his best game on Saturday since arriving in Knoxville. And I think Derek Dubé-Plus been a nice addition. Kirill Nishnikov is uh, starting to be a little bit more of a, a straight-line player when he's got the puck on his stick. And so seeing little things like that pile up, if guys are able to contribute more consistently than getting a goal scorer who can go out and create plays for himself, create shots for himself. And maybe there's some chemistry between the twins that we haven't gotten to see in the SPHL yet this season as much just because of the depth that Pensacola had on the wing. So we'll, we'll see how it all comes together when Knoxville meets Peoria this upcoming Friday and Saturday. Obviously it it's, you know, kind of a all hands on deck sort of situation where Knoxville is, really just trying to get back to having a full lineup on a more consistent basis and trying to get to a point where it can string together some wins if it really wants to have a conversation about the postseason. Because right now, Knoxville's on the outside looking in. Fortunately, there's still 25 games left in the season, but that number of games, it it dwindles fast when you get to this stage in the year. And if you're not picking up wins consistently, you're going to find yourself uh, watching the other eight teams in your league Uh, go at it over the course of the month of April. So obviously a lot of news. Uh, Appreciate you bearing with me as we get back on track after having a week off of the podcast and appreciate everybody for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. And we'll have the call for you on 92.5 WKC and on the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app when Knoxville takes on Peoria 
this upcoming Friday and Saturday. It's Wands and Wizards Night on Friday night at the Civic Coliseum and Star Wars Night happening on Saturday. So we certainly hope you'll join us on Friday and Saturday at the Civic Coliseum. Tickets are still available at KnoxvilleIceBeers.com. They are going fast for Saturday especially, so make sure you grab your tickets at KnoxvilleIceBeers.com while they're still available. Thank you again for checking out the podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Knoxville Ice Beers podcast.